You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The human race has only one really effective weapon, and that is laughter. The moment it arises, all our hardnesses yield, all our irritations and resentments slip away, and a sunny spirit takes their place, said Mark Twain. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is the Queen of Jest. Patty Wooten, a registered nurse, is a leading national expert in the field of therapeutic humor. She is the author of two best-selling books on humor, Heart Humor and Healing and Compassionate Laughter. Her company, Just for the Health of It, is dedicated to the promotion and development of therapeutic humor. Patty Wooten, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you so much, Susan, for inviting me. What happens in our bodies when we laugh? Well, Susan, it's amazing. Just about every corner of the body is affected when we laugh, and we have the studies that have looked at what happens. The muscle skeletal system becomes very active. Almost all the muscles in the body are use when we laugh. We know the neurological system is stimulated with more alertness and there is an enhanced activity in the right hemisphere, which is our creative hemisphere, brings left and right hemispheres together. The heart rate goes up, the blood pressure goes up, but then both of those fall to lower than normal resting rates after the laughter. So it's just like exercise in that way. We know that muscles relax after the laughter, that actually there's more peripheral blood flow to the muscles and that the movement of laughter actually breaks up the tension and holding so that the muscles are softer and relaxed afterwards. And some of the most exciting research that's been measured lately has been the possibility that laughter affects the immune system, that it actually makes the immune system stronger and is like an antidote for stress. It changes the body in the opposite ways. And some recent research showing that the coronary vessels seem to be protected from coronary artery disease when we have that opportunity to laugh. Describe the specific effects on the immune system. Well, some of the research that's been done, actually the pioneering research being done back in the mid-1980s, was by doctors Lee Burke and Stanley Tan at Loma Linda University. They have taken a look at the effects of laughter on activating the T-cells. We found that when you laugh, the T-cells become more activated. Found that the serum levels of cortisol, which is basically cortisone that's released during stress, that cortisol levels drop right after laughter and uh, that this drop lasts for up to 24 hours. And we found, they have found that the immunoglobulin A concentration in our saliva increases after laughter, and this protects us from airborne virus and bacteria. They've also measured increased levels of gamma interferon, which is good because it interferes with the virus's ability to take over production of a cell. Complement three levels are increased when you laugh, and this helps the antibodies stick to whatever cells that they're attacking, so makes the kill power go up. And B cells are activated, the ones that carry the antibody, though those seem to be more mobilized. And finally, perhaps the most significant one would be the natural killer cells, which I think of as the Rambos of the immune system. And natural killer cells go up in number and also up in their effectiveness. What happens to the mind when we laugh? Well, Susan, when we laugh, we focus our attention in the moment. And so we're not worried about 
what's going to happen in the future or what just happened in the past with our boss or our kids or whatever. That laughter moment, that moment of perceived humor, we're totally present focused. And we, in that moment of laughter, it's impossible to feel anxious, angry, or depressed. So we have this like respite experience where our bodies are filled with much more optimistic, positive, harmonious emotions, and we're able to break that tension panic cycle. Is it possible to pre-plan? In other words, if we know a certain situation is going to stress us and make us unhappy, if we think of something that's going to make us laugh, does that work? It certainly does for me. I don't know necessarily about thinking about it as more interacting with the situation differently. And, you know, that might just be wearing a funny button. So if you're in a stressful situation, let's see somebody dressing you down or making you upset in some way, you can just flash the button that says, it's been lovely now, but I have to scream. Or out of my mind, back in five minutes. Little things like that that can trigger, hopefully, a, a humorous response. So I think that planning to meet the stress with a sense of playfulness. If you're stuck in traffic, why not just roll down the window and blow bubbles out the window? If you're stuck in traffic, you have a long commute or a tough day, why not put in a funny CD and listen to funny stuff on the way home rather than the bad news? If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Patty Wooten, past president of the American Association for Therapeutic Humor, discussing how laughter affects our physical health. Patty, do you have stories about people who laugh their way back to better health? Well, I do, Susan, and of course, traditional researchers would call this anecdotal evidence. It's not hard science and numbers that you can measure and graph. But I think that, like Einstein said, not everything that counts can be measured. And that, yes, we have these stories, and they are very true. I think they have validity, certainly for the person. Perhaps the story that sticks out in everybody's mind is Norman Cousins' story about his use of laughter to facilitate his recovery from ankylosing spondylitis. There's a woman in New York City, New Jersey area, by the name of Saran Rothberg, and she has started an organization called ComedyCures.org. And Saran was diagnosed with breast cancer. At the time, she was a single mother of a five-year-old, and she thought on the way home from the doctor's office, well, this is really the pit, and I have the whole weekend to think about it where I can't do anything, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try comedy. And she rented a whole big tassel of comedy videos, and she and her daughter watched comedy after comedy after comedy. And she felt stronger at the end of the week that she could then face the treatment and deal with it with a different attitude, a more hopeful attitude. She's still living now 10, 15 years later and has started this wonderful organization. In the Minnesota area, there's Christine Clifford, also a breast cancer survivor, who was inspired to draw cartoons during her recovery. And she's got a couple of books of cartoons. Her first book was called Not Now, I'm having a no-hair day. And her second book is called Our Family Has Cancer Too. So I think these are three quick examples that come to my mind about people who've actively sought comedy in the attempts to neutralize or rebalance their emotions and neutralize the stress so they could face their traditional treatments along with integrative medicine perspective. How do you teach somebody to laugh? That's a great question because it seems like you have to. 
with some people who walk around with uh, their face in park. The truth is we all come into this life laughing. From about two to three months on, we laugh in response to surprise, in response to absurdity, joy, all kinds of reasons that we laugh. But I think that some of us are taught or told not to laugh. Mom and dad, you know, settle down, wipe that smile off your face. In their schools, we're told to be, you know, more contained so that we can learn our lessons. So I think it's rather than teaching somebody how, I think it's more giving them permission again, perhaps convincing the left brain serious people that there's a benefit to laughing and that it's not just an empty emotion, that we actually can facilitate our health and well-being as well as build business. Business people think, you know, it's very serious earning money. But yet we know that people with a sense of humor who are doing sales are much more effective. Giving people permission to laugh, helping them discover who's funny to them, and then finding a source for that funniness, whether it's DVDs or cartoons or TV shows, but help guiding a person to essentially a prescription for their own unique sense of humor. How do you respond to those who say humor is inappropriate and unprofessional in the healthcare setting? And I would say to those people, yes, in certain situations, that's absolutely true. And that because of the seriousness of healthcare and the situations our patients are in, we need to be more cautious than the man on the street who's just dealing with John Q. Public. So I think as professionals, we need to realize our audience is hypersensitive, that they may not be as available to a playful encounter as uh, normal folks because of the worry and stress of their illness. I think certain situations are inappropriate for humor until that patient gives us a clue that it's okay. I know that uh, certainly in the death and dying situation, and I was a hospice nurse for five years, I approached that in a very serious, contained sort of way and was surprised to find out that many of my patients and families were laughing uh, right up to the moments of death. So, yes, it's serious, but it can occur at any time. So we need to take our cues from the patients and families. I think we need to realize that certain humor that health professionals appreciate is private. It's it's for ourselves. It's not meant to be shared with patients and families. It's the kind of doctor-nurse joking that goes on in the back room, and we laugh about serious situations to help us stop from crying all the time. So yeah, it's serious, but I think the possibility and the potential is always there and that we need to be open to that possibility that the patient may want that. What is the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor? Well, quite frankly, Susan, that's probably one of the best associations to discover more about the power of humor and laughter in our lives personally, professionally, spiritually, medically, psychologically, etc. We are an association about 20 years old, five or 600 strong, and we're composed of mostly health professionals, nurses, doctors, also human service professionals, social workers, psychologists, education professionals, principals and teachers and business professionals, administrators, etc. And all of us are looking to understand how we can apply humor in our own unique field of practice. So the association has several conferences a year. We have an e-zine that comes out monthly that covers the latest research and publications on what's going on in the humor laughter field. 
and we have a, a newsletter letting people know how people are creating humor in both business and healthcare and educational settings. How can listeners learn more? To learn more about therapeutic humor, there's a variety, a wealth of websites on the internet. I would have them start with aath.org. That's the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And from there, there are many other sites that you can link to. On my own personal website, which is JustHealth.com, I have links all over the website to other therapeutic humor associations and professionals and uh, research sites, etc. So those are the two places that come to mind right off the top of my head. Patty Wooten, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Susan. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>